All right, for those of you just tuning in, welcome back to the Canadian Gun Vault. Behind the vault door, my name is Mark Morelli. I'll be your podcast host. Joining me today, none other than uh, living firearm community legend, Black Powder Dave. Barely living. You know what? You're gonna outlive us all, buddy. Yeah, all right. I think so. Well, you know what? I'm uh, I'm certainly looking forward to years of shooting with you. So I'm happy to get through this year. Yeah. <laughs> Don't worry. You're gonna be just fine. Yeah. All right, so uh, we're back here at headquarters. I've managed to pull out a few uh, a few odds and ends for Black Powder Dave to look at. We're going to be doing a very special episode today. Uh, I wanted to get Black Powder's Dave's take on uh, some classic firearms, some newer firearms, and uh, it's always nice to hear the opinions of people who have been around a very long time and have seen quite a bit, and uh, you certainly qualify, Black Powder Dave. I've been around a while. Yep, yes, you have. So... In Black Powder Dave's hands right now, other than his tea, <laughs> is give me a ride. You know, <laughs> nope. All right, is is a uh, not a Lee Enfield rifle. Uh, well, it's a Lee Enfield rifle, but it's a it's a very special one, and it's certainly one that I wanted in my collection for quite some time. And uh, I passed for years on buying one of these because I always considered them uh, to be a ninety nine dollar rifle. People from my generation kind of uh, missed the boat in 99? some respects. Ninety nine. I'm sure. Ninety nine. Not much. Yeah. How much did you see them for when they were first arriving? <laughs> when I started when I was young, like towards the 20-ish mark. Yeah. Uh, they were 20, 30 bucks. Really? Depending. You know, that's such bullshit. I mean, I, like, I mean, I, I saw them at $99. I watched, uh, and I mean, I didn't think anything of it. I, I watched yeah, there as barrels of them. there were barrels of these things. They came in barrels, you know, and, and, and know people paid eight bucks for them. Really? Eight bucks. $8, like for a Lee Enfield rifle. Like, I mean, with full wood and, you know, unmolested. And at the time they would have been probably pretty new. Um, it, problem being those people that bought them for eight bucks, they're the ones that, Pack the wood all to death on them and sporterize them. Yeah. And, and, kind of like- and, and so if you're out there looking for a classic, you know, vintage military collectible, uh, you know, the Lee Enfield rifle is always going to be at the top of the list for Canadian collectors because it was carried, you know, by our soldiers, uh, not in one war, but uh, but two. And uh, certainly saw applications beyond that uh, with sniper use. And But I mean, the, the, the one that always interested me uh, outside of the Long Branch, which was made in Toronto number four only number four only uh there there was you know the SMLE and you know which was carried during troops during World War One oh we got phone on oh that that sounds like you what 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 do you what do you got playing there for a a ringtone that's 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 like you know some kind of love ballad is that your girlfriend no no (laughs) Okay, I'm not at home right now. <laughs> Black Powder Dave is taking a call. It uh, while he does that, I'm uh, gonna get a little more organized here and shut my phone off. <laughs> so, for the people that uh, have never met Black Powder Dave before, he uh, he certainly is a fixture in the firearm community. Uh, while he's busy talking, I'm gonna fill you in really quickly. Uh, he, he hasn't been well lately and, uh, you know, we certainly are trying to get him out more and more often and, uh, always a pleasure to shoot with. No, no, no. Don't apologize. 
Always a pleasure to shoot with this guy. Uh, he's the, the man to talk to when it comes to uh, black powder use, uh, percussion oh, cap, flint locks, oh. you name it. And if, if it's old, chances are he shot it. So it's always fun having him around. So, so okay, so so now that you've taken your uh, call from your you know girlfriend who's probably somewhere. That was my nurse. What was it? it was, my she, own nurse. Hey, she like like 25 years old and, you know, no. smoking hot. You know, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> oh, she doesn't listen to the podcast. <laughs> right, that was pretty pretty definitive by the way. Yeah, she's a nice girl, but... Uh, nice girl, but not your type, she's right? very professional. Yeah? Yeah, how old would she be, roughly? Oh, probably around 40-ish. Oh, it's way too old for you. Way too old for you. For me? Right, for you. Way too old for you, right? We, we know you like, you know, hot young ones. Uh, right. Gotta be at least... 21. 21. That's right. <laughs> At least. Okay. So back, back to the Lee Enfield rifle here. We got this SMLE. I'm curious to know what your take is on this rifle. I mean, can you see anything about it that, you know, stands out? Cause I mean, your seasoned hands are on it right now. I, I want to know what you see when you look at this rifle. Well, first thing I look is just basic condition, which yeah. is obvious use. Yep. Which is nothing wrong with that. Dings and dents are all part of history. Yep. It's Canadian. Yep. Got the C with the broad arrow. Okay. Uh, bore is excellent. Yeah. Well, that's because Action, I- nice and tight, smooth as butter, Yeah. which is what you want. Full matching. Excellent gun. You know what? I, I want to ask you something, right? I mean, you, you know these rifles. Um, you know, I, I know your knowledge isn't as extensive as, as some out there, but uh, that, 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 Canadian broadband arrow uh, on the side. I mean, this is an SMLE, so this would have been made in Britain, not Canada. Yes, but this would have been Canadian issued. Okay, so this would have been made. No, okay, so yeah, yeah, so this would have been issued to Canadians. And is is there any possibility? Because you know, I've been told that the rear sight with that that adjustment, you know, wouldn't have been on an SMLE. No, this has got the windage adjustment. So yeah, yeah. So would that have come at a later time? Uh, usually the military would take stuff like this out if yeah. they were in war footing. You just wanted to pump guns out. Yeah. So little things you may just eliminate just to speed up production. Speed up production. So now, how do you think that that, that that rear sight would have ended up on that gun? Like, I've always uh, been curious. It's hard to say. It could have been... Give me some of the possibilities. Possibility this one could have been given to somebody who had... Better shooting abilities, maybe like a open-sighted sniper. Oh, really? Possible, or yeah. it could have been put on by armors later on. Okay, all right. Like guns go back in, the armors get them, recondition them, kind of thing. It yeah. could have been added on. Okay. Now uh, it's really hard to say because the history is like we're talking like hundred and ten years ago, sort of thing. Hundred years ago. So, one thing I found with guns, yeah, as you know, with that little twenty-two you got up there with no mm-hmm. bolt, is like. Mm-hmm. Where'd the bolt go? Like yeah. Things happen. Yeah. No, no, absolutely. And sometimes it leaves you scratching your head like, like, who did this? There, Why did they do it? There, there are a lot. One of the things that people don't understand about firearms is they're, they're a wonderful mystery. When, they, when, they, <laughs> when you collect vintage firearms, uh, they always come with a story if you can just reveal it. And, you know, like when I look at this gun, I think a Canadian soldier carried it in battle. Like we're talking like over the top, you know, mustard gas, World War One, yep, you know, nasty war, nasty. you know, where, you know, no man's land. 
you know, what, what, what are you, what are you looking at? If you checked inside to see if there was anything in there. You know what? Pop, pop it open. You're able to, you're able to, easy. no, here, you know what? It's, it's, it's pretty strong spring in there. Okay. You need like a knife to hook under it and pull it open. So, so I mean, Lee Enfield rifles for the person out there that's, you know, thinking about, uh, getting involved and maybe, you know, either collecting them or grabbing themselves one. What's, what's typical prices running these days? Or now? Yeah. Now. I would say to get a decent one, minimum is 800. 800? That's the minimum for a good one. Yeah? Okay. And I've seen them ranging up to, depending on what they are exactly, like a long branch. Yeah. In A1 condition, you could easily be seeing 1300 bucks now. Okay. And in, by A1 condition, you're you're not talking about an immaculate firearm. Uh oh, right. okay. We got, we yeah. You gotta have to turn that off for the yeah. purposes of podcasting. So so. You know, here we are right, looking at these rifles, and, you know, I know that his uh, seasoned hands, you know, run over the stock, and, and he can yeah. tell that this thing has uh, seen some action. Uh, right. Certainly when it was sold to me, I, sure. I found myself, you know, really excited to own a piece of military and firearm history, and uh, to know when I shoot it yeah. that it was carried by a Canadian soldier in combat really makes it special yeah, to me. And uh, for the few firearms that I actually seek out to purchase uh, this one was on my list and uh, you know for those of you out there that collect guns you know what I'm talking about there's always those elusive firearms that you want some some aren't as high on your list and you find yourself wanting them uh, you know so badly uh, you know some of these guns that you just have to have them and I think that that's something that people need to understand about firearm collection it, it really does become a passion and you know the ability to to own okay, and operate and, and enjoy you know firearms such as these uh, you know it's it's oh. a real it's a real joy you know for the people that participate in the activity uh, if you're ever in the Ontario area and you find yourself uh, you know around one of the the gun shows uh, there's always a healthy supply of Lee Infields I don't know why they they seem to you know land here you know post war uh, you know I know a lot of people from Ontario you know fought but but ontario seems to be a real hot spot for lee infield uh you know purchases and i've definitely been seeing you know uh, them turning up uh less and less often as people snatch them up and or are refusing to let go of them all right you're back i'm back sorry about that right, no. the medical community will not leave me alone well you know what there's a lot of people interested in making sure that you're okay and yep. taking good care of you all right so so now I, i've just been talking about this um this SMLE for a second, and, and I've just been describing to people, you know, how, how amazing it is to be able to own and operate, you know, a real piece of firearm and military history. Uh, you know, to, to grab yourself a Lee Enfield today as a Canadian, you know, collector is, in my opinion, an absolute must, right? Like, I mean, I think so. Yeah. I don't know about you, but I think the number, the three, yeah, the full wood right to the end guy, yeah, I think it's the most classic. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Of all of them. Absolutely. Not that there's anything wrong with number fours, but there's something about the number three with the full wood, and then you get the bayonet stuck on the end of it. And well, that's it's that's, just such a neat gun. Like just the look of it is so. It's just beautiful. It is. They 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 really they really are a classic piece. You're right. When I I like I like shooting this thing with the bayonet on it, which is a, which is about a foot and a half long. For people that have never seen the it's, you know the the Lee Enfield SMLE bayonets, they were it's almost like a sword mounted yep. on the end of the gun. Uh, and I, I always tell people clearly there was uh, an, a, a great degree of importance placed on how far out you could reach, yeah. and and to be able to outreach your opponent to poke them was uh, more 
of a priority, I guess, during World War One than it would have been in later years yeah. when the bayonets got shorter. I actually read somewhere that they said guys would stick one of these things into a German and get them in the rib cage, and yeah. it would actually jam, and they would shoot the gun to snap the bayonet. Like to pull it out? Yeah, you couldn't pull it out. It wow. was like locked into the rib cage. Oh, really? So you pull the trigger to get it out, and it would like snap the bayonet. Oh, I saw, I saw that, I saw that phenomenon, uh, you know, replicated in the the movie 1917. Uh, that 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 scene with the uh, German pilot, I guess, that shot yeah. his buddy, and and he, at some point, you know, somebody got stuck. Uh, I, I think it was that scene, but it, somebody got stuck with a bayonet, and then he fired his firearm to to retrieve it you know to pull out or retract the bayonet from inside the soldier yeah you know what i I look at this gun and i think to myself it's an absolute must uh i had to have it you know it was on my list you know of guns i needed to have uh you know i would ask you this tell me something why are the bayonets so much shorter and seemingly so freaking dull in in the later versions of this gun, like I mean, when I look at the long branch bayonet, and it's for the number fours. Well, yeah, the, yeah but I'm talking stickers. Yeah, like it almost it almost seems like objectionably dull, <laughs> you know, compared pick to sticker didn't need to be sharp. So so it so it's it, like what was it like three eighths of an inch round? Yeah, like is, is it me or is there like a, like a, almost like a ball on the end of the thing? Not a ball, but it just <laughs> there was not necessary just because when you. Jab that thing was going to do more damage, like puncturing its way in, rather yeah. than cutting its way in. Yeah, yeah. But you know what, though, I I certainly love shooting that thing, and it's uh, something I enjoy. And I know you have a, a real affection for all things uh, vintage, uh, you know, of that nature. So that's why I'm going to hand you something else, and I'm, I'm curious to know what your impressions are of this by comparison. Okay. Okay. So now what I've done is I've handed Black Powder Dave uh, one of my favorite. AR-15 variants. It's a uh, reproduction of the Colt uh, XM-177 that would have been carried, uh, you know, by by officers in in Vietnam. And it's the carbine version of, you know, the uh, M-16 rifle. So now, yeah, you may want to you may want to pull that stock out. So you squeeze, you squeeze underneath there. Yep. And no, just on the back end. Yep. And then pull. There you go. Okay. So. just surpassed all my knowledge of an AR-15. <laughs> you know what? So, like, you don't know that much about these guns that you dislike them so, because I know you don't really enjoy plastic on guns, and that would have been the biggest gripe. Uh, <laughs> what do you think? My personal, personally? Yeah, yeah, tell I me. Have no desire to own an AR-15. <laughs> None? There is just, it does nothing for me. All right, so. It's it, just me. Yeah. I support everybody's own personal Freedom to own what you like. Yeah, yeah. That's the main thing. Uh, I don't know. There's just... It would be like an FN. Yeah. If it got wood, I'll probably like it. Yeah, okay, all right. There's so wood on this thing. So the Canadian FN would have appealed to you, but the AR-15 platforms did not? Mm, no, I don't find... I find them very uncomfortable. Really? Yeah. Yeah, well, you it's know... just... It's, I don't know. It's just like a... I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know what? See, and now, but you know, I find, I find some interesting things. Now, do you notice that it's a lot lighter? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, the number three Enfield was killing me. Yeah, yeah. Well, that thing's, that thing's a beast. Um, so, so by comparison, they're much lighter guns. Now, have you ever fired an AR-15? Uh, 
I'm pretty sure. I probably have. I think, can't even, yeah, I've done Sam's. I'm, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah. So, so I mean, recoil by comparison to, you know, 303 or a 30 odd six coming less. out. Of, yeah, it's a lot less. Right? It, I it, mean, girls would like it. Yeah. Oh, oh, boy. I'm sure, I'm sure there's somebody out there that's losing their minds right now. No, the truth, the truth is, actually, it does make. Oh, I'm uh, sorry. An, is no, this a politically correct? <laughs> no, no. This is, welcome to CGV Politically Incorrect with Black Powder Dave. <laughs> No, no, but it does make an ideal uh, firearm to uh, teach females uh, how to shoot, you know, or for, or, or for people in general that are a little more recoil sensitive, uh, you know, maybe who are not used to, you know, the big heavy firearms yeah, that if you're predate it. Two, two, three. It's like nothing. It's like nothing. Like I know my own daughter. Like she's fired a couple of things, and or my sister who yeah. has no use for guns whatsoever. But yeah. I've had her to the range and she liked it. Yeah, she. Yeah, okay. She still doesn't think we should have any, but whatever. Well, you know, no accounting for Everybody taste. That's fine. You know what? Well, you know, sorry, sister. You know, I don't, don't, don't apologize. Right. Um, at least you took her out to the range and tried yeah, to lighten anything her. with heavy recoil. She didn't like it. Yeah. So shooting at two, two, three, or fifteen. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of girls who who would object to heavy recoil yeah. would love it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's where I'm kind of going with this is, is yeah. that the AR 15 platform, uh, you know, it, it was adopted by the military because it was lighter, because it was easy to maintain, because it was easy to use. Yeah. Uh, and now it's so modular, you can customize these things to the point. Like, I mean, that's a retro. So, I mean, it really doesn't afford shooters the same features that modern ones do where you're able to mount, you know, lights and optics and rails and different sort of, you know, uh, attachments and accessories to the gun um, to make it more user-friendly. I'm going to bring out one other point. Compared sure. to a standard rifle, yeah, let's say shooting like an 8mm Mauser. Yeah, yeah. And when you pull the trigger, the way you got to hold the stock, yeah, you're going to end up with a sore finger because that trigger guard's going to kind of bang into your finger because of the way the stock yeah. trigger is designed, whereas yeah. the pistol grip yes. takes that all away. Yeah, okay. So you can shoot this thing far more comfortably in that respect. Yeah. Okay. Which also, like, not too many new shooters are going to appreciate having a trigger guard slamming into their finger and ending up with a big bump there. Yeah. No, no. It, 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 there's a there's a reason why we break out the dough. I mean, you know, oh, yeah. you, you know, you know the dough. I do. And 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 you know, to have you know a nine millimeter carbine version, it, it really does illustrate and highlight you know what it is about these guns that make them ideal for new mm-hmm. shooters. You know, ultimately, I, I want to take you in this direction for just a split second. Yeah. If you compare ballistically, like, I mean, there's there's a lot of talk about AR-15s in the news, and a lot of people kind of demonize these guns and present them to the public as, you know, death rays and only designed for one purpose. And, you know, we get Bill Blair calling them weapons, you know, all the time, which really drives me nuts. We all know that Bill Blair is pushing liberal party policy. Yeah. Not reality. Yeah. Two different things there. A- absolutely. Absolutely. He knows better. Oh, absolutely he does. But, you know, though he's doing it anyway. And, uh, you know, that's Bill's deal. He'll have to wake up in the mornings and look himself in the mirror. I don't know how he does it. But anyway. I don't uh, think he cares. Yeah, I don't think he cares. You know what? Yeah, assholes seldom do. Uh, and you'll have to excuse me, folks, but I feel pretty passionately about Billy Blair's role in all this. Uh, he's clearly pushing the liberal uh, agenda 
to to eliminate private firearm ownership here in Canada. Uh, he, it's a, it's he's a bit looking of, after his own cell phone. Oh yeah, absolutely. But but you know what though? Let's let's talk about something though quickly that you know uh, the public is presented this uh, this platform in particular, the Air 15, as this you know devil of a gun. And even though it's never been used in crimes, you know here in Canada, uh, you know I believe there was one incident in in all of the 60 years that it's been around. Back in the 80s, I believe. Yeah, yeah, there was like one event, and that was back when it was a non-restricted platform, and there are people out there that are probably standing on high chairs right now saying it shouldn't be a a, a, a restricted platform as it is. If you want to do a comparison, we just had some woman was just attacked with a hammer. Yeah. Okay, so we got one hammer incident, one AR-15 incident. Yeah. Is there a difference here? Well, you know, you can't legislate uh, evil. You know, people are going to do evil things. Uh, the, the it's th- a tool. It's a tool. Uh, the legal firearm community demonstrates every day that they can own these things uh, responsibly. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're not being used in that fashion by people that are licensed. My, my personal opinion, mm-hmm. if I ever got that angry that I wanted to hurt somebody, I think a gun is the last thing I'd want to use. It, it's interesting that you're a firearm owner and you would say that, but I mean, I, I feel the same way. Um, it, just, it just doesn't cross my mind. No, it just it, that's just not what I would use yeah it's just i don't get people that do to it it's almost like to go into a place with a bunch of unarmed people and just start randomly killing like what is that it's well it's the it's the it's the actions of an absolute coward yeah that's that's what it is i mean you can't get any more cowardly than that no no and and i I keep telling people the the firearm community is is 100 percent behind putting an end to the violence that involves illegal firearms in the street i give up my whole i give up my passion tomorrow if i thought it would make an ounce of difference but the truth is is that it won't and and i mean they're they're basically they're basically attacking the good people uh you know when there's going to be no impact to public safety or improvement uh the public safety as for, I don't know, like just you hate somebody. Yeah. Like, we'll stay away from them. Yeah. Well, if you don't I, like somebody, just stay away. Why would you go and attack them? You know, I I, I get it. And 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 I don't get it. And and, and when and, and when people do, me. and when people describe you know the AR-15 as being more deadly, you know, uh, ballistically. Let's let's talk about this for a second because I, I think it's I think it's overlooked a lot of times. There are firearms that have been around uh, a lot longer. There are firearms that are uh, commonly accepted as as suitable hunting firearms that fire ammunition that is far more powerful. The 223 or 556 NATO round fired by an AR-15, as compared to the ballistics from say this Lee Enfield rifle. This ancient Lee Enfield is yeah. far more powerful. Far more powerful. Right. And when you talk about, you know, potential lethality, uh, there there are, you know, commonly accepted hunting cartridges that far exceed, you know, like the two two three is considered to be flyweight. It's, it's, it's a, a yeah, weight. it's a it's a flyweight. One of the biggest complaints from the people uh, you know, that were using them when they were first introduced, uh, obviously AR fifteens were it, not in military hands, but the M16 platform that Billy Blair keeps on talking about, which we don't have access to because it's capable of fully automatic fire. Uh, when you talk about the M16 rifle, when it was first introduced, it had you know some some reliability issues that were connected to, uh, I believe, the powder gumming up the gas system, and and of course you it know got chrome line the barrel. 
that that and you know of course the 19 year old kids that were using them that had uh, received whatever training they had uh, were emptying them pretty quick uh, they were not you know like the uh, the firearms that came before it uh, and, and, and certainly they were a lot less powerful the largest complaint came you know in relation to the power levels generated by the 556 five, compared to say yeah, the 30 odd six yeah so so I mean these these you know firearms replaced you know M1 Garands you know, essentially, or, and, th- and th- you know, 30 odd six round, which is, you know, like it's enormous compared to the five, five, six round guys complained about the power. Levels. It's interesting that we, we demonize this gun today, or at least the anti-gun community does. And when in reality, it's, it's actually a lot less lethal than, mm-hmm. than, than many other firearms that, that people are saying are totally acceptable. So the other thing is you got to remember is like, you look at all the, things that happen in the U.S. Mm-hmm. where they have these 30-round magazines and stuff. Yeah. We don't get that stuff. Yeah, yeah. This is a five-shot semi-automatic platform just like any other hunting rifle. Mm. And the people that say that, well, AR-15 is just for killing, you can't use it for hunting. Well, there's a reason why. Mm. It's restricted. You yeah. can't use it for hunting. Yeah. If it was non-restricted, it would be used for hunting. You know, a, a lot of people don't understand that... that uh, you know the Air 15 rifle for for many years. Uh, you know until the mid 90s was was still a non restricted platform, and people did go out into you know the hunting fields with them. Very, you know very few did, but, but as a hunting cartridge, it, it was a little bit feeble. I, I, I find it kind of ironic that in one breath, you know they'll the anti gun community will sit there and say that this thing is a deadly death ray, and then in the same breath they'll say, well it's not suitable for hunting because it's not powerful enough. <laughs> yeah, I you know like. Like they really are just trying to work every imaginable angle it's to try and get this thing. Yeah, yeah. But but I mean overall, uh, you know, here in Canada, you know, the Air 15 is certainly uh, you know very much the same darling rifle uh, that it is in the USA. We we don't have quite as many people that own them here, but uh, its popularity is soaring. And, and now with the advent of non-restricted platforms, you know, uh, like Maccabee Defense upper and lower receiver sets that accept. You know, the same hardware, uh, if the barrel links uh, are, are suitable and the gun meets the criteria for non-restricted status, there's really no reason why you can't use them to hunt uh, nope. effectively. You know, like, yeah, you know, like a small to medium size uh, game. Like if you want to take a, you know, a deer, a white-tailed deer with a two two three rifle, uh, you know, why wouldn't you use an AR-15? I know people that have killed deer with the twenty two two fifty. Yeah. The two fifty Savage. Yeah. Big buck, one shot, boom, down. Yeah. And ballistically, they're not that much bigger than a two two three. No. Maybe a bit, but not that much. No. Oh. And, and people like going out in the field. I like. I, I remember the mid '90s, uh, before the mid '90s, where we took AR-15s, and a lot of people just, you know, just generally accepted that this is the way it's always been. But the truth is, is I remember throwing my, you know, AR-15 into the trunk. Uh, of the car and going to meet a buddy at the farm and and doing a little plinking and I remember you know shooting at the pond and you know setting up targets and you know uh, lighting up 30 round magazines and and going home without hurting anybody and it was happening all over the country and people were doing it everywhere and nobody was getting hurt and and then somewhere along the way uh, that changed and yeah, I was there in the change yeah you I and have I no idea why it changed but it did but uh, you're talking about I remember downtown Toronto, 
bought a Swedish young man in the yeah. army surplus store, $59. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, don't laugh. <laughs> oh, God. You are old. Yeah. <laughs> and thing, and the guy, yeah, the guy says, thanks, bye. And I said, well, could you wrap it up in some paper or something? He goes, why? Yeah. I said, well, I don't think it's right that I should walk down the middle of Young Street with a Swedish young man over my shoulder. And he goes, Why? Yeah. He said, just go. Yeah. So I made him wrap it up in paper because I said, like, it just seemed the right thing to do. But that was the way it was back then. It was like I had guns in the back window of my pickup. Nobody batted an eye. Yeah. Well, if, if, if you if you go to rural areas, you know, like outside the, the metropolitan areas, it's still in Toronto. It's it, yeah. Well, you know what? Well, that was back then. And you also used to pedal past the Long Branch factory, too. I did. As a child, I went by the Long Branch Arsenal. Yeah. You know what? That that must be cool. And I understand that you were watching our Battlefield Vegas video, our, uh, la- our latest one. Yeah. Thanks for that. What? You know, yeah. that was not meant to be a kick in the nuts. I mean, <laughs> like, you look what I'm doing. I'm cheating full auto. You're not. That's not the... No. We do those videos to share it with our audience. I want every... I wish I could bring you all with me. I'd I, like to... Uh, I would like to experience it. Yeah. Yeah. Battlefield is... Uh, yeah. I just kind of look at that like, oh my God, he's got a brain gun. Could you could you stomach a six-hour plane ride? To shoot full auto? Yeah. Oh, so so you got to qualify, right? Yeah. Six uh, hour six hour car ride six hour car ride to the what? cottage is no good. Can't do that. But if we were shooting full auto Brens, I could work that. They're giving me morphine, I can make it. <laughs> well, you know what? I, I love the idea of you uh, joining us one day when we make our uh, way out there and uh, experiencing that because the people at Battlefield Vegas really got it going on. I mean, you, you've seen the videos. Yeah, it looks pretty awesome. Is there is there anything in that room that would jump out at you in terms of things that you might want to shoot? I mean, you've seen me in the vault. I mean, it's 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 like a kid in a candy store, but I mean, there's, there's stuff everywhere. Um, for myself, probably more like that Sterling. Oh, yeah, did that you like that? Pretty cool. Did you like that? That, that was that, nice. That thing was nuts. Uh, I'd like to try the brand, the... Uh, Sturm Gavar. Oh, yeah. Uh, I like to actually shoot an MP40. Oh, you know, we did that. Eh? We did that. I know you did. <laughs> like, older military stuff, I'd like to well, give a whirl. Well, I, I'm going to tell you right now, uh, shooting that MP40 was like, it was like a Cadillac. Like, it, it, it was just, it was just duck, 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 duck. Like, yeah. slow, rate slow. Of fi- slow rate of fire, smooth as butter. I mean, the wire stock isn't very comfortable, and he's right. It's 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 not cheek, it's chin. You kind of, you really have to kind of hang your head out there, much the same way you do with the Thompson. You yep. know, it, it, you, you can tell that these things were kind of meant to be shot quick and on the fly. Hip chip. Yeah. Hip shot. Hip ship. Hip ship. Yeah. <laughs> Can't talk anymore. No, no. That, that, the brain gun was like butter. Um, you know, like uh, it, it just pushed straight back. Ideally, and, I yes. know we're doing it in a control range. I would yeah. like to try a Bryn in a field because I heard yeah. everything I've read said that it, you had to put your feet and lock your toes because it would actually pull you towards the enemy. Really? Yeah. When it shot, you'd actually tried going forward. Really? That's what I read somewhere. So that's oh. why when you see them and they got their feet out and they're like locking their toes down in the dirt. Yeah. I, I You know what? I'm not sure if that's true because I, I, I watched the bipod in the video. It seemed to be coming backwards towards yeah. me. But then again, you know what? I, I was... I, the height the height of the table isn't ideal. I, I've seen them mount things on... on um, 
you know, devices to kind of like the MG42. Um, the, without the use of a tripod, they have like a like a stand they can mount some of those guns on. Yep. But but they put this thing on a bipod, and just just the way I was kind of leaned over, uh, I noticed it pushed me back a couple of inches when I when I let go with a full full auto burst. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it was a little finicky in the beginning. And uh, gave us gave us an ounce of trouble before we threw in a second magazine and, and got got through that. But I mean, an opportunity to fire real bona fide pieces of like you know World War II history like that is really exciting. That's awesome. Yeah, did you you know what? Like I, I really you know you can you can feel the excitement in the air when you're at Battlefield Vegas. I'd oh, love yeah. I'd love I'd love to see you get down there and do it. Now I will say one thing yeah. that I had never thought of before, but they mentioned it. Yeah. What? I'm a lefty. Oh yeah, yeah. So like that's gonna be really awkward. Yeah, you know. So I, it's like, yeah. Yeah, I, I gotta put my head over this way to look down the sights or I, what? I I had never I had never thought about it until he mentioned it. I I was I was aware of the offset I sights. I knew they were offset. But but to be a left-handed shooter, you would literally have to like drape your head over top of the stock to try yeah. and look around it, or or just shoot lefty. You know, like get on shoot get, righty or shoot well, yeah. To be quite honest, shooting right is like putting a glove on a foot. Yeah, it doesn't feel good to you? It's just not right. Yeah, no. And I'm right-handed, but for some reason, I shoot left. I have yeah. no idea why. Well, you know, I, I can tell you there's there's more than enough guns uh, there at Battlefield. I'm sure we could get you to run through a, a magazine or two at Battlefield Vegas uh, right-handed, you know, for, for the yeah. experience alone. I, would, I wouldn't force you to do it left. But uh, that, that I got to tell you, you mentioned it, that's sterling. Mm. That sterling, that's integrally suppressed sterling. What a gun. Like, I mean, it was so quiet. I could actually, now watching the video for sure, but at the time, I remember hearing more noise coming from the action and the casings falling to the yeah. floor than the gun going off. It was cool. <laughs> it was, it, you know, it, it was totally cool. Well, I, I, you know, I called them up. We had gone down the battlefield, and I always make it a practice to uh, contact John. Uh, the uh, the management there and make you know requests off the menu just to have them at, at the ready and, and or find out if you know the firearms are operating they have a whole team of guys that you know work as armorers there and and it's amazing that they can keep some of these classics running yep. you know well like we're talking about 80 and you know plus years uh, some of these guns have been around and they they operate perfectly but uh, that that gun in particular I asked for it and I asked for subsonic ammo I, uh, I, well, no, 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 no. Like I asked for subsonic and they said, we don't run subsonic. Okay. And I said, oh, that's too bad because I want to shoot this suppressed Sterling and I want it to be as quiet as possible because I really want people to appreciate how quiet the design is. And, and if we can get that, uh, that would be fantastic. He said, you don't need it. And he told me, he told me, you don't need that. And I'd forgotten that design is really cool because it, it's, it's a Sterling. Okay, but its barrel inside is is, is really short and has uh, perforations in it that vent the gases, uh, you know, at, 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 you know, on the barrel, and so as that bullet. Uh, projectile passes through the barrel it vents the gases behind it in in these holes that that bleed it out and because the gases are being bled out it actually slows the bullet down to subsonic speed because it's not it doesn't have the same amount of pressure driving behind it because it's being vented makes me wonder what the maximum range on that can't be very far well it it drops it drops a you know a typically 11 or 1200 feet per second projectile down to like a thousand you know like yeah but you look mp40 was basically a hundred yard maximum oh yeah gun so yeah 
With, with open iron sights, I wouldn't try using that thing past 100 no, yards. No, the 9-millimeter Luger, it's dying by 100 yards. Yeah. It, well, no, no, you, you can still engage You can still engage targets, and you can certainly drop some suppressing fire at 100 yards. Uh, beyond that, you know, I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't stand in front of it even at 200 if you lobbed no. one in my direction. So, I mean, you could, still, you could still effectively get people to put their heads down. But what I thought was really interesting about this gun was that it also incorporates the use. Once, once, once those gases are bled... And and the the hot gases, the, the whole point of a suppressor is to lower the sound levels. And part of that, right. part of that is uh, eliminating the supersonic crack of the bullet, which the gun does because it drops the pressures down to the point where the bullet's traveling at a, a slower speed. And so that eliminates the crack. And it has to uh, rapidly cool uh, the expanding gases and contain them within the housing. So as this, as this, as the gases are moving forward, you know, they eventually escape the end of the gun. And in, if you've ever seen suppressors working, you will get a little itty bitty f- bit of flash at the end of the gun. Mm-hmm. But this gun incorporates the use of wipes. All right, so it has rubber washers essentially, uh, where where it allows the bullet to pass through them. But there's there's just a little hole in these rubber washers, so the bullet is allowed to pass through it, but it's smaller than the diameter of the bullet. So it actually it actually does even more to contain the gases using these rubber washers, which eventually wear, and then yeah. the sound levels go up. But shooting that thing, it was like an electric typewriter. Like, it, that's that's what it sounded like to yeah. me. And and I really found it, you know, a fascinating shoot and a lot of fun. I hope you guys enjoyed that. And, I mean, uh, yeah, I did. It looked totally controllable, too. Oh, there was no recoil to speak of. Uh, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I just... It's no, funny. Not be- like the FN. No. Well, the FN, you know, I, podcast Brian, you know, he warned me. He said full auto on an FN, you know, and there's a guy, he loves the FN. And and for the for the people that don't know what the FN foul is, you know, right arm of the free world, you know, it's a big battle rifle, Canada's battle rifle during, you know, yeah. the and Cold America War. got ripped off because they weren't allowed to have them. They weren't allowed to have them, eh? Well, there's a bit of politics around that, but... I think most Americans wanted it, but there was one guy that prevented it from happening somewhere. Really? Yeah. There is a story I read about it. I can't remember his name, but... Well, firing that thing was like, holy cow, hold on. Like, I mean, Brian warned me. He said, he said, it's not, it's not meant to be fired in full auto. The C2s were a heavier gun. You know, they had a bipod. Um, you know, I'd watch my friend Felix in, uh, in Florida shoot a C, uh, C2 or an L2. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even he, who's very accustomed to shooting full auto guns, you know, you could tell he was like, oh, <laughs> hold on. But when I pulled the trigger on that thing, uh, it immediately began jumping around in, in, in my hands, not, not, right. in an, not in an unsafe way, but I could tell, though, that I was struggling to, to control it and keep it on target. Someone with less experience. Oh, yeah. Would have that thing would have been flying all over the place. Yeah, I, you know, and that's that's one of the things I would uh, hope people take away from some of these videos. And I try and you know articulate that sometimes when I'm on the firing line is you know not for beginners. Uh, no. This the, the FN is definitely not a beginner's piece. Uh, I would recommend trying to you know pull off maybe two and three round bursts or four round bursts. I don't think I would let anybody that was inexperienced go full auto. Mm. I don't know. I think I'd want them to have a little bit of. A little bit more experience more before they experience get on that. Before they got into that, because we all know about the incident that happened in the states with that young girl in the Uzi. Yeah, yeah, and, 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 and just, she couldn't hang on to it. 
Well, you know that that again, that thing climbed pretty fast. Yeah. I, I saw that video just like you did, and was horrified like everybody else was. Uh, there were there were a number of things that made that event possible. Uh, she was very inexperienced. Uh, they probably should have given her, you know, a magazine with you know three or four rounds in it to to first get a sensation for how it climbs. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the instructor should have been on her right hand side rather than her left, where you know the guns typically climb upwards and to the left. Yeah, you know, for right handed shooters. So I mean, he was right in the line of fire when that thing climbed up and you know all the way uh, in his direction. Uh, as tragic as that was, uh, certainly people people could learn some things from that. Horrid accident. Yeah, yeah. But but I mean, for the most part, you've got military personnel all over the place at Battlefield Vegas. They're all armed. Uh, I don't have any doubt that anybody that tries to cause trouble at Battlefield Vegas isn't going very far. No. All right. Between the uh, security protocol there, they have there, the range safety protocol they have there, it is a completely safe experience. Anybody that ever wanted to pull the trigger on a uh, fully automatic firearm safely, I would highly recommend you head down down to uh, Battlefield Vegas and speak to the people there because they'll get you set up well getting down getting down here all right i don't know if this was a good idea uh, well you know what all right and get back up all right now 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 watch oh, now watch this that. no 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 hey buddy you you do what you gotta do to get comfortable one last thing we're gonna run through this very quickly because i want your take on this all right i'm gonna hand you i'm gonna hand you this piece and i want you to tell me what you see and what you think when you look at this thing okay it's a Pieta. It's a Pieta uh, reproduction of, I guess, an 1873 uh, Colt Peacemaker that they make, and I believe it's called the 1873 Cattleman. And it's yep. in four, it's in .45 long Colt. What do you what do you see when you when you hold a gun like that? I mean, you're used to holding the real deal. This is a reproduction of a, a firearm that's well over 100 years old. Right, what do you think? Them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and you know what? Now, how 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 would you describe the quality levels on that compared to say uh, an authentic Colt? Uh, well, the original Colt, no. metallurgically, mm-hmm. would be inferior. Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah. Well, this yeah. is like the quality of steel has changed. Yeah. Um, I know you've got Pieta, Uberti. Yep. Ruger makes. The same gun, basically. Yeah. Ruger, the Vaquero. Yep. Yeah, I know. I know you're a big fan of the Vaqueros. Yeah, the Vaquero is it's tighter. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's you gotta pay for that. Yeah. So this would be like an entry level if you want to get into the single action shooting uh, for some fun. I, I don't know that I would use it for competitions. <clears throat> no, uh, not yeah. with the sights on it. No, but 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 if you want to get you know a, a cool single action experience and uh, see if you like it, I don't think it's a bad idea. Now I'm waiting for I'm waiting for you to discover what's wrong with this pistol because I took it out and I shot some black powder out of it the last time I went out shooting, and I'm curious and I'm curious to know right if yeah you're about to notice it now. There's stuff falling out. Yeah, well, you know what? I, I didn't bother to clean it the last time I went shooting, and I shot black powder out of it. Oh, look, it's green. <laughs> you know, I, you know, I, I, I try and be diligent with my, you know, gun cleaning, but uh, as you were rotating the cylinder, I could see, I could see, you know, like powder falling out of the, well, the forested code. It's not C's like they <laughs> in the black powder, but yeah. Yeah, it was just rotating. It was like, yeah, it's got dandruff. Yeah, it's <laughs> black powder shooting. Uh, you know what? Your recommendations for cleaning, right? Uh, as soon as you get home. Yeah, you gotta. Everything goes in the sink with some hot water and soap. Okay. Uh, pull it out. 
after a while and just scrub it really good and i always end up board buttering everything yeah Okay. All right. So, I mean, for the people out there that are just getting into black powder, you, you've got to realize that the uh, propellants used <clears throat> when shooting black powder are terrifically corrosive. Yes. Black powder, very corrosive. Mm-hmm. Uh, 45 Long Colt is yeah. a wonderful metal metallic cartridge yes. for reloading with black powder. Oh, it's awesome. So you can do 30, 30 to 35 grains of triple F. Yep. And... You get the wonderful clouds of smoke come out of it. It's it, it's something. And it's the sensation of the black powder over just a uh, smokeless powder. It's so much nicer. <laughs> However, limitations yeah. of black powder is your cylinders are going to start seizing up. It's got to come apart. Yep. Wipe it down, some lubricant, uh, which is the bore butter. Yeah. And then you can go again. So you're only going to get so many chambers before it starts. How many wheels do you think you get through before something comes up so badly with black powder? I would say I wouldn't go over three. Really? Before I'd pop it apart and start doing it. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I've had mine so bad I couldn't turn cylinders at all, and I couldn't even get the uh, cylinder pin out. You, you know what I think is cool about black powder is is it's so much different than smokeless. People don't realize it. I mean, black powder is obviously an older, uh, you know, recipe. It's explosive. It's explosive where, you know, smokeless is not. It's uh, It generates uh, a lot of gases that propel the projectile as opposed to an explosion that black powder uh, does. But it also uh, leaves the barrel with a signature flash. You know, oh, yeah. that, that, and smoke that you just can't duplicate with smokeless shotgun powder. It, it's, it's a rather large, almost magnum like boom. And then, and, and the sound, <laughs> and the sound that comes out of the guns is completely different. It's a totally exciting experience and, and something that I think that everybody should experience once in their uh, lifetimes. Yeah. Well, that's the nice thing. It's not muzzle loaded black powder. Yeah. Which for some people is too much work. Yeah. It's metallic. Yes. Regular card. Just load them up at home and off you go and i don't think i've had anybody ever tried it that didn't walk away with a grin yeah it's it's totally a lot of fun and it's great to to hand load that and uh certainly you've you've done a fantastic job of introducing people all the time to the joys of black powder and i gotta thank you for doing that because uh, as a community member you've uh you've always been very generous when it comes to sharing your passion for these types of firearms i am going to say mark that this is disgusting (laughs) you know what you gotta break my balls eh? like i i just realized it when i went to go fetch it that i hadn't cleaned it in a week and i I thought oops i missed that one he's gonna let me have it for that i've done it i actually with uh my tt 33 yeah and my mosin negant rifle don't ask me why i brought them home and i just didn't feel like cleaning them shooting that military corrosive ammo Mm -hmm. i forgot all about them yeah and I remember I pulled the Mosin out one day and pulled a bolt and looked down. There was nothing but green fuzz inside the barrel. Yeah, well, that's like, oh, no. And then I pulled out my TT-33. I had a nice shiny bore, and now it's a pitted bore. Oh, well, you know Same what? Same thing. Well, There's green fuzz in there. I, <laughs> like, I, I, always, I always tell people, get to cleaning right away, but with corrosive ammo and certainly black powder, it's something. Day. it's same yeah. day. Yeah. You may not want to do it, but you have to clean corrosive stuff. Gotta. Gotta. 
Anyway, you know what? I'm so glad that you took a moment to uh, share your thoughts with our audience. Black Powder Dave, thank you so much. We're going to wrap up. I appreciate you coming out here. It's always great to see you. Thank you for joining us. Mm, Good to be here. Thank you. Awesome. Okay, guys, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe to us on YouTube and on Instagram. And as always, Canada, don't forget to shoot straight. Stay safe. Bye-bye.